Don L.A. California. Oh, what yeah. you say about Los Angeles? Still the only place for me that never rains in the sun. To live and die in L.A. Where every day we try to fatten our pockets. Us niggas hustle for the cash so it's hard to knock Everybody got their own thing. Pioneers and the settlers. I was like, dude, we've been doing this for as long as we remember. Regardless of pay. Back when it, we weren't even making much money on We were, you know. We were young kids lugging, you know, bales of Pyrex through the woods, long Pro-mix. distances. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why it's a Pyrex. Yeah, Pro Mix, long distances through the woods on, our, on top yeah, of our right. head. He's like, shit, that was another part of life. <laughs> that was not. Yeah. That was load number two. Get all the Pyrex. <laughs> Literally, I remember one year we um, we rented a, a U-Haul and mm-hmm. I, we put, it must have been a hundred plants in the back of it, ranging from three feet high all the way down to you know probably a foot. But uh, we, and the plan was to take the U-Haul, and it was a box truck. It was a drive on the on uh, railroad tracks down like the side of it, where you can kind of fit like an ATV. Mm-hmm. I was gonna put a box truck, and I literally got about a hundred yards, maybe a hundred feet down actually, and this thing went started going sideways, and I was f- at a forty-five degree angle all of a sudden in the middle of the night. Middle of the night, and I'm like, oh my <laughs> god, this does not look good. And we're again young; we were 19 years old, and I was like, you know, not an adult, not yeah. someone that you can just like talk your way out of it. Anybody that drives by is gonna say, nah, you're, and, you're in trouble. And the truck could be seen by the road, so we just immediately hop out and we're just like get everything out of the truck and get it into the wood line first. Yeah, and, and all we'll, we'll go plants, from there. Two, we're two plants apiece, and we're running. And I'm a hundred feet in. The rest of the trip was probably a good solid thousand feet. It was a long way. Oh wow! I was driving a truck for a reason. I didn't want to run, you know, go a yeah. thousand feet yeah. down the lines and then in another like 200 feet, you know, so it was a yeah, long trip. Yeah, because it's not right hell. there on the side of the road. <laughs> or, or the tracks, yeah, it was down, yeah, right. it, was a, it was a thousand feet down the tracks, in probably mm-hmm. 200 feet, and we're, we're lugging, so all of a sudden we had to well, put all this uh, this Promix in there, that's the start of the summer, so yeah, we've been pioneering this thing for a while. And that's out what there, people don't Digging holes by hand, yeah. and you know, bringing the bales of bringing Promix in. We were in, just uh, talking about it a while ago, that you love the outdoor, you love yeah. the outdoor grow. Well, it's like when you say, you have to earn it, and everyone's like, well, what do you have to earn? That is what you have to, if you have done we that, ran that spot for three summers. It, you know? We ran that spot three summers doing mm-hmm. that. Big holes and, and outside, not our property, griller grown, you know, mm-hmm. literally under the radar, you know, before Instagram, all that stuff. I'm talking 10, before caregivers, 11 years ago. Before licenses. Finish, sure. that, you know. finish that story. Yeah, right. Cops call me in the morning and, and say, hey, what the hell is your, your U-Haul doing in the, in, the, in the woods, kind of, you know, off the tracks? And I'm just like, oh my God, yeah, things got crazy last night. Some girls dared me to drive down there and I'll be there in the morning. I'm sorry. And there was no trouble. He said, okay, just get it out, you know, get it out of there. No one's we, on, we had to have, yeah. No Wait a minute, Steve. The, how come that sounds like the cops have called you before? Oh, man. Yeah, we've, we've, yeah, we've been doing it. That's from, what that story sounded we're like. We're from Westbrook. And what, you hey, know, how you doing, going Steve? Going to Westbrook, these cops are harassing in well, Westbrook, but... Yeah, definitely. Um, we've had our run-ins. <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna be so you have a good relationship, though. Great, you built yeah, up a yeah. pretty good relationship. They're going to yeah. listen to this podcast, and they're going to be like, I remember I that remember fucking that. U-Haul. Yeah. <laughs> no insurance on the U-Haul. Never never opt out no, of the $15, course, would there? the $7, whatever it is, $15 That's insurance. That's bullshit. I would Always never pay it. it. Always get it. <laughs> yes. But yeah, we ended up you getting should. Um, ended up calling like three or four um, tow companies, and like everyone was like, nope, not doing Wouldn't that. Wouldn't take not the job because of how dangerous it was where the U-Haul was set up. It Basically, if they pulled on it, it was going to fall into this little river thing. Right. On the one edge. guy, one guy charged like five hundred bucks and double wedged it. You know, did some little trick where he double pinpointed it and got it out. And he said, "Is that all Wild. you got?" He was like, "What'd you guys it? do?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. What were you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, well, there's probably weed leaves all over the place. Can't, mm-hmm. I can't imagine there wasn't because yeah. we were taking them out. We were in, you know, I would we were in a hurry. It was, yeah. So yeah. you look back at it now and you're like, "What the fuck were we thinking?" Yeah. You guys <laughs> never got busted, though. I mean, no? never. And, and, no, and, and we had. Was there paranoia on the camp? 
constant. And I mean, we Someone definitely found had, one uh, of the, we had, yeah, there were th- many, many of the outdoor grows we, we had stolen by yep. people. Three, we yeah. don't know if it was yeah. cops that stole them or, you know, who it was. Passerby, but yep. hunters yeah. a lot of times. We, we yeah, used to try to put too. little cameras out there, little deer cams and motion cams, but mm-hmm. I don't think we Effective? Ever that. Any success with that? Someone probably stole one. I can't remember <laughs> so long ago, but really, no, not just, really. Not you people. know, plan as much as you can and, and we'll harvest what we can. joined with uh, Team Green 207 and forgive me about the names but I have you guys introduce yourself. So here I'm Levi, Steve. So yeah Levi and Steve and obviously we're joined here with Xavier, the sound engineer and the amazing co-host Carrie Landry. What's up, what's up? And myself. Hey, you, there are other people a part of your team as well though who couldn't make it. Anybody yeah, you want to give a shout out to? Yeah uh, head growers uh, Brady and D-Rock and um also helping in the grow is Robbie, and helping in the extraction is Evan, new guy we just brought on. Oh, nice. Yep. And really, the core members, we've all been together since, you know, five years old, grew up in Westbrook together, went to high school together, started this thing, and, you know, here we are. Well, you started this thing. What, uh, what was the reason for getting into marijuana between your group? You guys are a tight group. Yeah, um, we probably had to share a lot. You just were like, "Hey, this looks like." We were all into cannabis. We all, you know, smoked weed in high school, and then eventually that got into kind of running around in the woods, growing weed, and that just you know kept evolving from there and stepping it up, and became more and more interested as time went on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What were your starting outdoor strains, if you don't mind sharing? <laughs> definitely MOB. Yes, always, definitely, right? Always. Um, a big one, I think, for us that, that we brought in, we kind of hunted, was uh, Frisian Dew. It was a very old Dutch passion strain that was just, like, built for uh, for Maine outdoors. Down by September 15th, super mold resistant, and it was just, it just killed it outdoors. So we ran with that and MOB for, for a while. This was, you know, wait, this, like, 2010, 2011. Like, and this was in high school? Uh, just kind of the year after high school for me. Yeah. So yeah. So right, so well, I was just trying to get yep. the grasp because we've seen some before some people enter the cannabis industry is like early as 14, 15, you know, depending on how they were brought up. And sometimes their parents were, you know, in the cannabis industry to themselves. So they were already tending outdoor crops at that young of an age. So end we're of not high writing school. off any age as a starting no, point. Yeah. Not, at, not all. at all. So end of high school. And when did you guys really start to think, uh, okay, this can transition into something that's monetary, something that's like, you know, the passion obviously was there. You guys were doing it before there was any money involved when you were just spending it at that point. Yeah. Um, in 2008, I graduated high school in 2007. Um, in 2008, me and one of our head growers, Brady, we went to the um, Canvas Cup in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Just blew our minds. We're going into stores. We're buying hash and, you know, flour right over the counter. It's, you know, all legal. And we're just mind-blowing. I come back right. like, Steve, we got to move to Amsterdam. We got to, you know, we, we got to go do this. And he's like, we should probably finish school, which was you know, a, a good idea. We, we were in college at the time and uh, we did finish. And then eventually it was just kind of like we graduated and uh, we felt like we knew more. And that was our passion more than anything else. So we said, hey, let's, you know, let, let's give this a try. And we went from just 
running around in the woods and doing basement grows to uh, we got the warehouse in 2014 and mm-hmm. just took off from there. Did oh, you wow. guys ever experience the Barcelona scene at all? We were just talking about that, right? Earlier. No, with, well, yeah, we were, but uh, yeah, it's Amsterdam's a go-to. It's, Amsterdam, it's kind of the first place you should go. There was a tra- yeah, but a lot of people are doing the Amsterdam. I didn't know if you guys had made that, no, that no, journey there because he was talking about like the social clubs and stuff there that were also pretty prominent and it just seemed something interesting. I didn't know if anyone else had, had experienced something like that. Nope. So the commercial facility came in 2014, and we we're just talking about too some of the some of the struggles that came along with going into a commercially zoned area. I mean, it's, with the city and stuff, you guys were. I mean, you're a handful of people that have the type of facility you guys do in Portland, right? Yeah, and um, when we started the cultivation in uh, 2014, we were the fourth one that Portland had approved, actually going through all the process and. Honestly, that inspection was pretty minimal, and the oversight from them was real minimal. We were kind of shocked at the time. Uh, we were putting up eight lights, and we were kind of worried that, you know, they're thinking, you can only have 15 ounces. What the hell do you need eight lights for, you know? But uh, we went with it, and they were fine, and we were kind of like, oh, okay, it's not that big a deal. Let's, you know, let's go. Doubled that, and we just kept, you know, every harvest, putting every single dollar that we had right back into the business, just staying fully invested at all times, buying more lights, buying new ACs, and and doing that but um you were able to make that investment from uh what was going on outdoor into the warehouse finally at a at a stage like that yeah totally so you guys had it from a that was your angle from the get-go and the early going you oh, yeah, wanted com- to yep completely self-funded always um many many times pocket you know belly up putting yep. it all in waiting for that next harvest to uh come in and right hopefully sure. it came out you know hopefully it comes out nice hopefully you know the acs that we just you know bought you know make it through this this winter <laughs> and there's many winters they're always you know having issues but oh yeah freezing up on the outside yep. or just blowing out some some different yep. yeah, was it right. your guys's plan though the entire time to it seemed like it seems like team green 207 i found out about you guys because of extractions be mm-hmm. it hydrocarbon or solventless was that something that you guys went into it with the goal in mind to be honest we had the warehouse so we'd always been hand we didn't you know we had our basement grows and we'd been hand blasting but we really I think the extraction was um, progressed with the amount of trim we had from the warehouse. We had our warehouse, and we're like, "Oh, so it's like we're gonna start thinking about what we're gonna, yeah, we're, yeah we're with that extra. With this, with mm-hmm. the, you know, we're just thinking trim in general. Yeah. So, um, I think yeah, we started getting a little uh, hands on with Levi. Probably is, is more on this one, but um, you know, early days with skunk farming. Um, yeah. Um, so there wasn't a lot of options at the time to just oh, you got a bunch of trim, you can bring it to these third-party processors and they're just all lining up for your business. Yeah, right. It was not really like that. Right. So we saw the problem. We said, oh, you know, we got to take care of this ourselves and just started, you know, hitting the internet, seeing what people were doing out west and, you know, what, how can we do this to scale? And the closed loops were, were coming out. Um, we ended up hooking up with uh, Skunk Farms Gray Wolf. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him. He's kind of a, a pioneer to the closed loop industry. Is it his own system, uh, his own developed system, or is it one... He's somewhat credited with uh, designing and kind of bringing to the public the first uh, closed loop mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, was safe. I Plus, guess. like the old <laughs> forum days and just like extracting in general. He's yeah. been uh, on uh, forums like and a tool of, yes. for people. Okay. Yep. 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 Uh, a lot of resources, just very open source and like, here's the knowledge. I, I want people to learn this stuff and I want people to do it safe. I'm not trying to protect it, it you know, and have people out there hurting themselves. Like if, if he knew something, he was sharing it. We we loved that idea. We went out. We met with some of his crew. We ended up. It was probably flew up to Oregon. Yep, this is like in 2013. Yeah, like oh, so, uh, so some of your R and D was going out, out to, west. Yeah, yep. yep. Uh, went out and kind of watched uh, some of his guys. 
do a run for the day and, and you know, hung out in there. Was he pretty welcoming of that? Like, was that something you messaged him and was he like, hey, did, oh, yeah. was it part of a course or was he yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, it, it was paid for, so, yeah. you know... It's no, no, I was, yeah, yep, just trying yep, to figure um, out the scope of yep, it. He, At his house, yeah. One, absolutely, they, uh, <laughs> their entire crew was very welcoming, but, um, but yeah, it was paid for, it was something mm-hmm. they did. And um, I'd say we went and uh, spent the day in their lab, but it was more of just kind of a garage with the door open at the time. <laughs> and, and that's really what it was. And you didn't really know to think that that was so crazy because it was just so new. Yeah. And that's what it was. So, you know, we thought they were the right group to go with. So we bought an MK3 and came back. MK4. And, MK4. Yep, yep. MK4. Uh, the, the Biflow MK4. Yep. And uh, we came back and we're... No, that's a closed loop system. Yep. Right. Yep. And who's the, and who, is that? Is the MK the brand? Is that who's by? A mark uh, or something? Mark yeah, four. really. That's uh, yeah. That, that's kind of like Gray Wolf's um, numbering for them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so model. Gray Wolf is a, yeah, okay. is a brand. Gray Wolf's really the guy. Um, we bought it through uh, Carla K. She um, it was Eloquent Solutions was the mm-hmm. company. They were a pretty informal group as far as like getting themselves off the ground and like actually selling equipment. It was he was much more of just like a, a pioneer of um, the standard operating procedures yeah. and, and stuff like How that. How you're going to handle the process of yeah. understanding the equipment you were yeah, going to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From there, you can take it and go yeah. in whatever direction you want to go. So yeah, that was that determined, was kind of, but yeah. when did this, when did you guys make a real big push for the solvent <clears throat> list? Because that's obviously taken off with you guys, I think, big time. It's, yes. It's, even long before um, that, we, we solventless was our first. Mm-hmm. We we started out with bubble bags, oh, you know, was. before we even knew what BHO was. You oh, know? really? Wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. And most, that, most time, I feel like it's opposite. Yeah, you know? and this was probably like um, 2009 through 2010 and 11. Um, some like very small, like three six hundred watts in a you know in a kind of oversized closet. We're doing those, running that in like five gallon bubble bags. That eventually worked its way up to kind of our bigger, not not big by today's standards, but big for us, uh, outdoor grows as we started going, you know, taking down 15 pounds. And we have some ha- good amount of hand trim from that. We were running like 32-gallon um, bubble bags in, in the trash bags. And, um, and that, was, that was really our first, first work with extraction. Smoking it different though, smoking it, putting it on bowls and things. We weren't really making like dabble. Was products. it more like a Frenchy cannoli style of like a oh, was balls, exactly. things oh, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool though. Not so much, you... but not so much like a melted ball like you're like you're talking. But it was more of a hash, you know, hashy looking. More like I'm not sand. Say it was on his level, but right. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Same mm. idea though. Definitely same idea. Right. And when did that? When did you guys end up getting the press? Then that must have came pretty quickly that was after. Ye- no. Oh. No. So that was like early stages. Yeah. Then we totally well, yeah, because the press didn't come until we were just talking about the last episode, like 2015. Yep. That was when Rosin really made an entry into the exactly. market. So yep. you guys were we put, six so we even, years prior to. We even put that away and went on to the hand blasting. You know, that was our first you know introduction of hash, and then soon came on to the hand blasting. Can you explain hand blasting just a little bit? Just uh, a kind of a, to a brief open cover. blasting. Yeah. yeah open, like an blasting. open blast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, just to avoid like uh, weirdness, but yeah, mostly just packing a tube um, and. Um, Oh blasting sure, like, okay, like, yeah. Like a can that you would blast, you know, fill up a yeah, torch with right through, and then collecting it in a Pyrex, and okay. then letting the Pyrex evaporate, and mm-hmm. you can collect that oil. Yeah, very, you know, unsafe and very unsanitary and all that. Yeah, regardless of if. Did you're you guys using have any close encounters? Pressure cooker? No, nope, never. No, nope. try to nope. keep it pretty safe. Definitely did it in places that I would never recommend doing it. You know, in a garage, <laughs> with a garage open with fans behind you, but still, it's just not safe. Yeah, you're but trying you, to. You it think had you're to be the, done. You, that was your it lab at that point too, and at that point you were probably like, "Wow, look at this! This is the most advanced thing." they've ever seen east of the mississippi yeah, for sure. <laughs> sure. but wasn't the garage also 
still the drying room back in the day? <laughs> probably. Right? I probably mean, it was. was everything. Everything. Sorry, it had to it be. Was a, it was a smoke room, you could. dry yeah. room. Mm-hmm. So there was the open blasting, and then came the first closed loop, the MK, and then um, we slowly, you know, progressed, and we started making, you know, it was all trim runs, and then bud runs became, you know, valuable at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, at first, we'd have, we always cringe at putting a you know, bud inside of a column. Oh, sure. But probably but more if, for the head than anything at that yeah. point. But we, yeah. did some, we did some live, early live resin runs, and we started, like, seeing, you know, okay, this is actually the same value. We can do that. And then the search for diamonds became, you know, uh, you know, so sought after. Oh, so and huge. that label difference yeah, right. between yeah. trim run and nug run. You know, I noticed there was a big yeah. difference. It seemed like everyone was, like, more motivated to actually run nug when there was that label that became pretty popular Absolutely. for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. I don't see it as much anymore, but it was nug run this, nug yep. run that. Yep. Yep. Granted, if I was blasting trim, I would just throw nug run on it too, because it's like some point she might be. But <laughs> I, that's just me. I wasn't though. doing none of that though, but I feel like there is some people that were doing that too, but it was funny how I feel like that's when a lot of people were like, oh shit, I can get $15 more on it. Absolutely, and, and really that. that's why it's done because if you know if you're blasting fresh rose and nug, you need to tell them what it is because you mm. need you know justification for why they're paying for it. So. Right. You guys end up uh, using a lot of in-house product for your processing, but you do uh, have third-party relationships. Can you mention a couple of those and, and why you chose maybe working with them? If anything, more people that we're close to kind of grew up with, uh, guys from Grizzly Farms we grew up with. Oh, sure. We do, we do some jobs for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pine Tree Apothecary. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're right next door to them, so we've been next to them since 2015, and you know we have a good relationship with them. And yeah, just really whoever we're close with and kind of came up with, I guess. Are the other uh, three entities in Portland also well, fairly well-known names like yourselves uh, in, in the cannabis industry? Are, are, are they close in proximity? The other extraction? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are, has the city with... sort of kind of put you guys more or less in a, in a particular area or zone? No, not well, necessarily. No. Not nope, like they're that. They're across town, I think. Well, oh, I, so okay. I, know, I know that, I know the, so out of the four, I know three. You guys, coast to coast... Uh, tastefully baked. Who's the fourth? Refine. Refine. I would yep. say. Oh yeah. Refine. Yep. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. So I don't think I knew they were Iron Lung guy. Actually, that's... all three of them are in their same neighborhood, so we're the only ones that are across town. So. Oh. But I don't think I think that's just by chance. Oh. I don't. Yeah. Right. Think okay. they, I don't think the city had any say in it. Right. No, it just as long as it's there was a space. I mean, we've so yeah, we've noticed some zoning since, but there was mm-hmm. a lot of grandfathering that had occurred. So speaking of all this, and when we talk more about the solvent list, and that came into play with the press and all that. What do you guys prefer, melt or rosin? Like a like a full melt or like you know like a, a hash rosin. I love a nice melt. It's a kind of annoying cleaning it. Yeah, that, yeah. So if, <laughs> so it depends the setting. It's gonna depend the setting and maybe also the, you know the rosin and this and that. But no, I, I, that's that's kind it, of it's the a common. Weird, is yeah. it a little bit more of a treat for you? Exactly. I mean, you love the treat that you're getting, so you're worth it's worth going through the process of. But there's a little work. But you yeah. also know that it's not this quick. And, and, and really, I'd say the answer is going to be both. You yeah, know, we want a few different, different jars reasons. on the table. We different want different reasons. flavors of both. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't. If I'm, and if you're alone, if I'm alone, it's probably a melt. You know, I don't right. really care about cleaning it that quick. But if I'm like with a group and it's and like it's the session, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to sit there. And we all know, right? Even though or even not I even hate to talk shit about the gavel, the, the gavel is the most hard nail to keep clean ever. We all pretty much have American courts. Mm-hmm. If you're you're not going to be dabbing a bunch of full melt off an American no. courts banger for <laughs> you too have a long, nail because just then for it's it. like, yeah, yeah my poor Evan Shore. Specific, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. What were you guys smoking on the early hash that you were doing? What were you rolling it? Were you uh, bowls, in the early doing? Yeah, the early early. When you're yeah. putting it in yep. bowls, yep. bowls, yep. topping bowls with it. Have and you ever thought of revisiting that, or is that a thing of the past now? Yeah. No. 
No, the process was just really so crude doing it out, you yeah. know, in just in the garage, in a controlled room, cold room. It's just freeze dryer. It's just the product. I haven't smoked is... a bowl in a long time, too. Yeah. <laughs> I really haven't. No, honestly, yet. Oh, I'm sure. Not. More usually a joint if it's flour at all, but, mm-hmm. you know, flour very even seldom. Mm-hmm. But it is. Seldom, so I but... used to always think that. This is a little off topic. I used to always think that every method of smoking hit me the same. And then all of a sudden I started just doing dabs. And I just smoked joints. And then once in a while I like take a rip mm-hmm. of a bowl and I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, that's hitting me a little bit different For than the sure. last stuff. Sure. Like, I don't know yep. why. And mix and it I'd up, really... you know, going back and forth from mm-hmm. both. I feel like that's how you really and you like really the same with that like a good balance bombs. for you? Because mm-hmm. I'm not able to enjoy hash rods in the, the same way at the same level as those who are in it. Or, or BHO for that matter. Um but I'm so interested always in that flavor that you're going to get. Even if it's just a brief, a little one, I love doing that because it's always going to be different than anything flower could give me. Well, I understand can, now the attraction absolutely. I have for you quite know, a while. You remove that plant matter and it's like the true, truest, you know, that is. It's almost taste fake. I hate to be that. It's like, you know, you would just never think that strange. like these yeah. flavors can come from cannabis. But it leads right into what I want to talk about too is curing. There's so many different types of preferences and what people like to do as far as curing their rosin from jar teching to cold curing to, I'm going to use air quotes around all these two because I yeah. feel like they can just be replaced with like leaving it out or putting it in fridge or putting it in an oven. Yeah. Yeah. And but everyone has their own definition of each yeah. one of those texts. But what sure. do you guys like to smoke and what do you normally, what's, what do you find easiest or do you guys do for production and what, what's the reason for it? Probably cold cure, I guess you could just say, mm-hmm. it's just make it simple. You guys mm-hmm. end up leaving it out in, in that because a cold cure is a, essentially a room temp. Yep. Just leaving and it out. And then there's different, then I've done it many, many ways too, you know. And you can we're constantly Alterations yeah. from that? Yeah. Yep. It, just from find different collecting variables. and stuffing it in to collecting it and, you know, giving it a pole like taffy and, put, and putting it in a jar. Right. You know, because we do see some people that do like a middle step before. It's not just like a pre and post process or whatever. There's like something in the middle, you know, like. They're picking up all the wax, balling it up, and they're not just throwing it in a jar anymore. I've seen some people, they'll leave it in the parchment, it seems like, maybe for a little bit. Okay. I don't know if that does anything at all, but, like, you know, we've seen some people, that, I don't know if maybe it's an easier means of storage right away. That That's how I store require. it. Yeah. Yep. I'll, I'll parchment it, stick it in a you know vacuum seal it, get it all airtight, and then oh, you yeah. know, put it in the fridge for, no, you know, usually no more than three days. Not that I'm saying don't do it longer, but yeah, right. it just takes that long you know, maximum for me to get to it and, you know, for us to finally get it. And but if you're waiting, you just you, leave it right in the parchment, you vacuum seal it, yep. throw it in and the it fridge. And it usually will stay in the same exact um, mm-hmm. consistency. So yep. that's a good way for you to be able to not for it to change in that time period yep. and allows you. Wow, that's a good oh, wait, it's preserving some, that consistency. Something that we haven't talked about yeah, actually, that yeah. period of time. The right temperature, yeah, the right fridge, you know, 35 degrees ish right there. Mm-hmm. But just, some t- certain strains too will, will, um, it'll just change that. Nucleate, yeah, go, you know, no matter what. Have you guys done any experience experiments with getting it to crash out the so-called jam, the diamonds that you see Absolutely. on the bottom? Yep. Has every, it happened for you? Oh yeah, and and really every single new tech, whether we're gonna stick with it long term, we love it so much, and half the day you want to try me it. and Steve in there getting high and geeking out, and like, mm-hmm. what do we want to try today? You know, and we're just working on. Oh, we, we saw that some people are doing this. Like, let's let's try to make that. Let's try to improve on that. And each different tech, let's try to push it with our own thoughts and ideas and spin on it. And it's just exploring all the different different ways. And then we get to enjoy them all at the end of the day, which is nice too. And so. we've mentioned we're also not uh, social media gurus, so we're also posting literally. I mean, you've seen we only have like six, we were making fun of ourselves on the way up. We only got sixteen posts, but <laughs> majority of our activity is on stories. And even that, it's like one tenth of the you know the interesting cool shit we do on a daily basis. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't Have think you guys about ever it as often. thought of because I know a lot, so it's it's hard. 
I feel like sometimes people think, um, you know, cannabis in Maine, they think can't they envision cannabis and they think cannabis, cannabis, they think cannabis out west, they envision like Lamborghinis, people driving around with all these assistants, and they don't get that's not the same in Maine. That it's just, we you know, obviously it's a more small business vibe. Uh, I done seen it all, oh my God. Promise that I hold you. I done seen it all. Do you guys have uh, currently in your garden right now, strain wise and selection wise, and uh, then I'll have a follow up off yeah. off that. Like honestly, the list is probably about like seventy different varieties. Oh no right way! Now. Oh yeah, we're constantly hunting. We have four flower rooms, and every single room we try to have at least one or two lights of like a seed testing run where we're hunting, and we just we'll never stop. We're always you know trading clones with with friends that we're close to that hunted them as well. So always bringing in new stuff and uh, always trying to switch that up. From seed, tissue culture, um, what, what what's preference or what do you guys like? Uh, or, or you talked about clones from others as well in a, yeah, in a group. Um, some of the clones that we get our hands on definitely come from tissue culture, like um, the finest stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the What's that? Uh, grapes and cookies. That is from a tissue culture clone, but a lot more of seed hunting because mm-hmm. we're only going to have that one. When, when we hunt that pack and we find that keeper, it, you know, it's exclusive. That's what makes people famous. Like, that's what gives people clout nowadays, too, is, like, finding that seed Definitely. that created that phenotype that nobody else has. Like, if you look at a lot of these people that have created these staple strains, like, um, from Jasper Newton's bra band to, you know, uh, Lonely Bones banana bread, they're Absolutely. all, like, just phenotypes of a specific strain that is it's no discredit to them. They've just done an amazing job growing. It yeah. works well in their growth. Yeah. Their conditions are awesome, and they created this like name for themselves off of just this phenotype it's pretty awesome what it can do and i think that'll only become even more important in the future like you know in the craft brew scene no one's brewing the exact same beers and you you know you go buy the same beer from two different people that's not how it goes and you just right different companies have their own flavors and that's you know you go to them maybe for those flavors alone so Mm -hmm. you're constantly uh popping seeds you're constantly looking into the next round of genetics or or not the next round but next years on nearly almost Literally, so yeah. you're playing with uh, strain selection right now that uh, needs is doesn't have an impact for for quite a long time. What are you looking for? What are you what are you hoping to set for a menu? Also, personal impact though too. I mean, we we love smoking this stuff and we love dabbing, <laughs> so we always want what's next. So any gravitation towards particulars? Like, would you like your menu to be balanced with like a obviously like a probably a decent balance of fruit and gas and like within those categories? What do you look for? Like, what strains do you are terpene profiles do you lean for in the fruit category more of like a a tangy or like a hard lemon like a super silver would bring to the table or something like that hard to say all of it all of it because we like i said we got 70 strains so we probably have a a touch of everything uh granted maybe like only 30 of those are hard in the cycle like we've ran more than once yeah right Mm -hmm. and actually we are we trust to you know have a quarter room full of it or something like that because we usually aim for four four strains of room um, something you know in there. Granted, you know it doesn't always work that way, but either way, um, that's what you're aiming for ratios wise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with an introduction of a, a minor amount of new genetics. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yep. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. 
it has that balance for you in case it's yeah. for some reason there's instability with the you know, it's already plenty of play. times there is you know testing and, and hunting strains is, is not is not always great it's not always profitable we're not you know hitting the marks that we want to be and sometimes it is just you know it's complete shit and and we don't we don't use it we don't run it again and that's just the price you pay to hunt but also the reward for that is that you can find some absolute amazing flavors that we never would have found if we weren't out there popping as many beans we pop so mm-hmm. you were asking what we were aiming for so maybe yeah. like eight months ago gmo was like we we're was what we we're aiming for or oh, eight sure. months to a year ago so we mm-hmm. so we dove into um so we got right here we, what we brought here today was uh franken cakes which is um what is it lava cake times times the gmo so oh, the wow. Wow. gmo yeah, dominant yeah. Yeah. yeah we grabbed some um, and that's through uh that's a finest finest and, times um, really can't Colorado. yep collab oh, nice yeah also grab some uh slap and tickle which is through that's uh, uh straight Canarado, i yep. believe yep just yep. again really Canarado, um which is again a gmo times i'm not gonna i don't know what it is but it's definitely a gmo dominant so it's very pungent so you look for that underlying for the and that helps with oh, the we yield were. and then obviously you try to couple it with something that you think is going to bring that the yield, different color overall like appearance of it it's frosted because it, well, when we, it we comes get. to hash it's it's in running in a type of operation like that you can't afford to fresh freeze a bunch of stuff that's not going to yield at all which just, we've it's done we've awesome. done many yeah, times. Oh, yeah. and you can do it yeah many, but if many it's like you know you try to avoid that some at some point of the, all 70 of those strains have been washed because that's know? what we were talking wow. about with, i would say um, 10 of them or at least if we've, if we've grown it and there's like a, a reasonable amount you know mm-hmm. we'll wash it so i would say mission hill melts was talking about trying to find different strains. like you guys favor the gmo he's like you know i really like strains that are crossed with purple punch yep. so it's like everyone has that one thing that they try to look for the seeds we that don't get. necessarily favor the gmo it's just what's popping up right now because last year that's what we were like all right let's find it so and we, that's so what's coming into the road in the timing of testing yeah, so mm-hmm. right now that's what we'll have a good amount of you know in the next couple of months and it and i i love the flavor so i personally it seems like it. grapes too like you were talking you, talk you about mentioned grape grapes, and cake, and grapes and cream too yeah, right. coming just up too. Uh, yeah. grapes and cookies grapes and cookies, cookies. Yep. that's what yep. it was i okay. said grapes yep. and cake i don't yep. know that sounds appealing <laughs> <laughs> no, the grapes and cream is All one together. though that's uh yep. that just been popping up but that seems like that's a new chart profile that you're really seeing like emerge and it's funny how these trends kind of like get set and yep. then like it's a wave that gets ridden we have plenty of great pie crosses yep great pie we've heard great pie we talked about a little bit more up here too just yet some of our better ones i think are yeah I can't think of top of my head. So that's been grape, um, that based off like grape pie that offers a nice return. Anything that's kind of the lineage that goes with it has been a stable return. Has it worked that way or, or not so much? It's not that cut and dry. Yeah. I mean, it depends what they're crossing it to. Um, we don't run grape pie straight, um, but we have plenty, plenty of crosses that have it incorporated and, um, it, it's not all the time and it's not every seed you know if you pop um pop you know 10 12 beans not all of them are going to yield mm-hmm. you're going to have some that are low yielders you're going to have some that are low thc you're going to have some mutants it you know it's, it's kind of how it goes but uh usually there's a gem you know if you, if you keep hunting you keep pushing if you really are searching up you know i, I want Which this great like profile i want this part of it, just I think, keep yeah. pushing it and you know you, it's out there it's you, like you'll the find hunt. it it's like that that, that yeah. adrenaline that anyone gets with anything is like why do people get addicted to that you know it's like it's a pheno hunt you know it's like the hunt with anything why do people get addicted to hunting yeah. and gambling it's like because there's a chance you could win uh-huh. or there's a chance you could lose and the adrenaline you'll never know until the final moment absolutely and every time you know we, we walk in one of the flower rooms we go straight for the testers we, we don't you know we almost don't even pay any attention <laughs> not really but you know, the others we, are on right, autopilot, right? Is the ones we're just like, don't know what's going to happen. And, and we're, we're just anxious like, every day yeah, to get we're like, oh, how, how do they look? How are they progressing? Yeah. Is, there, is there a new new? Yeah. Is there something yeah. that you can... What does it smell like now? And we're just, you know, we love it. It does change that fast, does it not? 
Oh yeah. I mean, oh, it yeah. can that room. The, you grow the, them twice and they're not cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. most strains in general, just like, or or at least not cool, but like, if a lot of people start growing, like the purple punch at one point must have been amazing, no, yeah. but then the whole country gets it. Sure. And yeah. You see right. the memes pop up about it, and then you you know it gets hard to even grow it. You're just like, oh, someone yeah, gonna make yeah. fun of me. Mm-hmm. You know? That's kind of what GMOs Ooh. sadly start to turn into. But like is, some people is. will still be like, no, I like to wash it. And I'm like, yeah, I bet you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it pops it, up quite a bit. And I a mean, lot of times that happens not, for a reason. It's because those strains are good. You know, yeah. they don't get popular exactly. through the whole country because they're not mm-hmm. good. It's, you know, they, they have some value there and there. And people enjoy them. Outside of the yield, though, too, honestly, GMO and any of the Terp profiles, like like GMO is something I just favor. So yeah. I'm yeah. always going to go for yeah. something like that, as Definitely. weird as that sounds. I just love that gassiness. To move um, more towards like a BHO, I think Gorilla Glue still holds. I mean, you could sell that. You could you could say, hey, I've got uh, an ounce of this, ounce of this, ounce of this to offer to a storefront or other yeah. caregiver. And if GMO's there, there's a pretty good chance they know it's going to sell. Yeah. So whatever else is paired with it, you can kind of play. Respectfully, Gorilla Glue has held its clout, I think, harder and longer than any other strain. It's ridiculous. I feel like I haven't been able to get rid of Gorilla Glue. Like, and it doesn't seem to receive the hate, like you know, the purple punches and whatever. No, just people like it was a time Blue Dream and Mob dominated. Exactly. Now now they've gone, but Gorilla Glue is still here. Yeah. So that's not so bad. Oh, and um, what was wow? I'm thinking of the headband. You know that. Was like really Definitely popular for little outside for train sure. wreck. Yep. How would train wreck has that been something you've ever had a chance to wash? Not wash. No. No. But we, uh, we, but grew to grow? That, we grew that years before we were into washing and kind of like our younger Purple years. Train wreck, yeah. yeah. But um. But no. Not not once we were really into washing and pressing. So getting into the wash that was kind of inspired by stuff you were seeing. Not inspired, but you decided to kind of research a little bit. You used YouTube as a platform to get into that. To, to be able to look at it was that one of them well that was bubble man that's where he was at right yeah yeah he was bubble man only had a presence on but well, no, that was like strong his, i just remember i used to watch those youtube videos for sure too. that's like for sure he was yep. he yep. did a pretty good instructional that's hard to find someone that'll explain it better than him exactly and, and to be that willing to share the tech like you know like you guys know everyone's mm-hmm. not willing to just no, share their secrets not all secrets stuff, are out there so. sure yeah yeah. But I mean, did, some people some... hate on him, but it's mm-hmm. like, you know, say whatever you want. He's the one guy that taught everyone, essentially. Yeah, a whole new it. generation, basically. Yep. I've heard that name come up countless times. So. Absolutely. What pushed our huge, our huge wave of um, ice hash was that we were building the lab, and we were down for 18 months, and we were getting, you know, we were like, what the heck? We need to make something. We can't be just sell it all as flour. That's not what we're typically known for, so we um, jumped and in. And we wanted to dab. Yeah, we wanted to dab. <laughs> yeah. And the whole country was making a huge shift in a wave of, like, um, hash. And You're like, great. Now we just, we decided to build this lab we're 18 months out and everyone's shifting to raw we had this we had the thought but we didn't but it didn't matter we we didn't matter um Mm -hmm. we did the way we built it we built a cool little ice room in a cold room so we um started you know ro water all fed everything we got you know whatever so we started um busting out some ice you know extractions Mm -hmm. and and again it started selling faster because everyone else started like following the shift and and wanting it right hadn't recognized the scene it the same way you did so you saw it from a from a producing sense or, or wanting to pursue it that way not only that but um if you're if you're having an instagram instagram and extracting in general there's certain waves that people try to chase and the diamonds were once upon a time that oh, big yeah. secret no one wanted to tell how to make it and 
um, and we're early to that game. So it was cool being the one, okay, we can make diamonds, and everyone wanted it. Demand was, you know, you, you could not exceed it. And then that leveled out a little bit, and then um, everyone could make them, and then the ice hash thing came. Mm -hmm. And then there was, okay, well, the others, not only ice hash, but you can do this, you can make them, like you said, the diamonds, so you can crash them out, and there's all these secretive um, processes going on. So I think that also takes me and him, and we, me and Levi are like, okay, let's, let's figure out what the heck they're doing. Some people are giving hints online. I'm trying to think some of the early Diafunk. people. Diafunk, yeah. way back in the day. and. Yeah. Um, not way back, but like a year or two ago. Um, when, <laughs> it yeah, is wild. It now. is. It, it is seems now. forever now. Yeah, it does, yeah, exactly. It? it was giving you know early hints on you know heating it, and no one really thought to oh let's heat let's heat this rosin and see what the hell happens. But um, like Rosin Ryan, Rosin Ryan, like exactly yeah. the guys that are crushing it now. And Sam Wise, Sam Wise, yep. yeah. Yep. A new tech that I've heard of is uh, Ken Wall. Yeah, wow. For sure. These are the people are putting full melt. Between um, yeah, parchment paper without any without any filter, pressing it, and collecting it right into a jar. That's apparently the the tech. I don't know why that was. Uh, I got to shout out Hot Teddy Teddy for that. He got yes. it from Samwise. I'm excited to see someone do that around here. If you guys be the first one, I, I know well, he's been yeah, working on some projects. Just gonna push too. anybody into everything. That's all <laughs> well, I'm gonna push someone. I want to try it. You know, <laughs> God damn it, I want to try it. Look to the sky and you will fear. Three.